back. Welcome back to session 22. Ooh, ooh. I don't know why I'm singing this. Um, the beat you just heard is my new intro song done by one of my best friends, one of the coolest producers on the block, Mississauga Bread. That shit. Cool ass man. Love him. Duke's Prod. Duke's Prod. Check out Duke. Okay, this is not an ad. This is just me saying that. <laughs> Guys, go on YouTube. <laughs> You're going to be shocked. This man? Anyway, check out Duke's Prod. As always, info in my bio. Um, I haven't included his SoundCloud yet. Whatever. I'll add all that. Welcome back. Um, I know he's going to be mad that he doesn't like when I do these things. Um, so, but whatever, I don't care. Welcome back to session 22. It's been a while. It's been a while. I personally have been going through a lot. Um, and honestly, sometimes like I really do feel like an influencer because I feel like sometimes like I kind of have to like explain, even though my influencer following is only 200 people, I still feel like. I have to explain and, and like why my absence. Um, obviously, a lot of things happen. First of all, life happens. Things happen, and we just gotta like dip for a sec. That happens, but also, um, actually, everything is just life happening. Um, this month is Sexual Assault Awareness Month, which is actually what this episode is a, is gonna be about. If you um, are uncomfortable for reasons because you refuse to learn and educate yourself that's your that's your problem but if you are uncomfortable because of its triggering um that's fine i'm saying this now because i don't want to say more because if it is triggering tune out like you can leave i'm not going to be mad or anything because i know that for me when things are triggering even in things that I I support my friends, if it's triggering me, I'm going to dip and they're going to understand. Obviously, I don't know a lot of you people personally, but if anything is triggering, feel free to take a step back. If you do want to listen and learn, that's okay too. Um, but yeah, um, mental health check-in. How is my mental health? I am feeling uh, indifferent, honestly. Um, doing my finals right now. I am finishing my fourth month into culinary school. I'm gonna be a chef, a certified chef soon, soon Red Seal, soon Michelin star, baby. <laughs> Eventually, in the name of Jesus, Amen. Um, but yeah, that's just been on my mind today. I learned how to make what did I learned how to make today. I think a steak. I don't know. Um, but, um, yeah, I know how to make steak. Obviously, like, the way restaurants make steak and it slaps, that's what we did today. But, um, yeah, life's been okay. Um, I've been dating a few people, and it's funny because, um, always, like, when you start dating people, you don't tell them, I'm dating a few people, but, like, I think a few of them kind of know my podcast. So, mom, by the way, it's not dating, like, I'm being, I'm out here in the streets, it's not... I'm exploring my options before they see anything. But, um, yeah, I'm dating a few folks. Um, that's been fun. Um, I'm, I don't, like, 
I don't know if I am maybe because of the pandemic and because like I just I got out of something serious last year I might not be in the best place to do something to get into something as like something really really serious right now um so I'm just taking my time honestly because it's important to take your time when you're dating and things like that but and I realized that I never date I meet someone I'm like yo this person head over heels we fall in love we date and then we break up after like a year I'm not saying it happens every time in that order but like I want to take time to actually explore my options more rather than just see one person because I'm I'm a fall in love type of girl but anyway I'm going off track um but yeah besides that I'm, I'm honestly good um lockdown is not fun I haven't been out drinking with my girls in a minute I mean we do on the weekend but in my house <laughs> in sweatpants but I'm trying to look cute and go out and not even for anyone just for me you know and that's why now like I've been wearing mad makeup because I'm going on dates to people's homes or to the park and I'm just wearing makeup because I'm like I want to look cute not for anyone but for me let me just look cute for me leaving my house leaving these doors I'm out. I'm gonna look cute cute as cute anyway um yeah, so today I'm just going to talk about um, just honestly my healing journey. Next week, I have to do a live for my organization, Product Agape, where I talk about, I'm going to talk about how journaling has been a grounding tool that has helped me to heal from trauma. But today I really want to highlight trauma and heal yes still highlight the healing from trauma but also talk a little bit about trauma and why it's talking about trauma can be uncomfortable and and just my attempt to just talk about it from like my perspective of being like a Nigerian girl woman who um grew up in a world where trauma like not trauma but abuse was like okay or accepted when I um was when I first got exposed to abuse, I think I was a child, and my mom probably, if she ever listens to, she'll find out this way. But I was like four years old, and I vaguely remember all I remember is my dad throwing his glasses on the floor, and my and I like <laughs> putting them in my mouth. But besides that, um, there's a motorcycle outside. Can you chill? Thank you. Um, but besides that, um, I, I, I remember being four or five years old. My sister was just born. And um, no, my second sister was just born. Okay, maybe I was like six or seven. And just like my parents were fighting. My dad was like putting his hands on my mom. And I was just there. First of all, I was thinking, is this man not crazy to, to hit my mom in front of me, a child? But that was the first time I was exposed to it. And then a, lo- a large part of me was like, nah, this is a dream. This cannot be real. My father, my father cannot do such. Okay, I don't know why I did that accent, but my that can never be my dad. No, because I was in love with my father, obsessed with my father. I didn't even like my mom. Like, I love her, but I was like, mm, I like my dad more. That was just like, until I was eight years old, and I really took a nap, and I really woke up, and I'm like, yo, girl, your parents, like, something's happening downstairs. And then me eight years old, seeing the man that I've always looked up to beat my mother senselessly to the point where, um, like, I remember that first night 
we all I, I, we all slept in my my little sister's room. My mom, me, and my little sisters on her on on my little sister's bed. My mother was bruised, like bruised, and like even thinking about it, I feel like I'm gonna get emotional real quick. But like, and then the next day, I went I went back to my room to take a shower, and. When I, my dad came in because he was going to work and he came in just to say goodbye like he always did. And that fear, when I saw him, because I had, I had seen him beat my mom like merciless the night before, beat her. It was bad. And I was eight too. And so the next day when I was shaking, like to me, that was no longer my father. That was a monster. And I was afraid. And I didn't know, I didn't like know how to feel. And it was so sad. And I don't think he even knows this till today, but I didn't, I didn't, um, I didn't want to like, I had to still be normal in my heart. So okay, let me just break it down. The way that I saw him in that moment was the same way where you're seeing um, somebody who's mentally unstable, who could possibly harm you but you're trying to de-escalate the situation or the same way where you see someone that like you don't like like a guy who you don't like and he's trying to talk to you but also we're girls and we know that these men are dangerous so you have to kind of like be friendly and say oh thank you actually i'm going home now my mom's waiting for me. you know like just de-escalated so in that moment i was thinking survival mode if i'm not like yes sirring this man right now i'm gonna get my sb and my dad never beat me ever so but like because of what i had just seen from the woman that he was supposed to love that i was just scared but backtracking a little bit um the night after it happened i remember um my uncle and his pregnant wife were like played a big role breaking down the doors stopping the whole thing but in addition to that and one memory that will never leave my mind is after even me at eight years old had gone to go beg my father to stop beating my mother. Afterwards, my father, I think a pastor who was his friend, and a few other men who were there witnessing this happen are in the kitchen. And I think my mother had made them food. And the maids made them food and served them food. You just beat my my mom. And all of these men are over here laughing, joking around, making you making like eating like from the woman who he's just be with her bruises like nothing has happened. And I'm eight years old seeing all this thinking, this is not right. Like <laughs> if I'm eight years old, and I always emphasize my age because if I at eight years old knew that, no, you can't say you love someone and then beat them and abuse them. Then what is going on? Like why? Why are these grown people, these grown ass people thinking that this is okay? And they're laughing like, oh, like, like he just killed a, a, a mosquito that, yeah, deserved the type of vibe. And I was just like, what? And that situation kind of like created just like a lot of, just throughout the years it just honestly just got worse because then that exposed me and I think I always say my mom says this too you had to grow up so fast my sisters did not understand anything my little sister when she because she was I was eight we're five six years apart six years apart she was 
two. Oh my gosh, it was two. Oh baby. Anyway, um, I had to kind of de-escalate, like tell her about the situation when she got older. And I had to grow at eight years old, I knew about violence. I knew that marriages are not supposed to be are supposed are, are are not always love and happiness. I knew that people were cheating. I knew my dad was cheating and just a lot of things like that I, I knew and and it shaped my my life so much, like just insane. So from then on, I like I honestly like I'm happy my mother is remarried now, by the way, with a wonderful man, but I didn't like I was afraid of her getting remarried. I didn't want her to go through this again. I didn't want myself to be attached to somebody and call them father only for them to do so and so to my my mom. So I was scared. Obviously, like when I grew up more, I'm like, mm, mom has to be happy because I'm gonna get married and leave this woman soon. But like when I was a kid, I was like, nah, you're not gonna get married and have this happen to you again. Like even me thinking that way was me thinking the way I was raised that oh, like a little bit of victim blaming as well. Like, mm, oh, my cat's feeder just went off. It's gonna go off for another minute or so. But yeah, um. What was I saying? Yeah, victim blaming. It's just even that narrative, like me thinking, obviously I knew my mom didn't deserve it, but like our heart of me was like, if she doesn't get married, we're going to be good. But that was me trying to understand, okay, why does, why did things like this happen? Maybe we're all just meant to be single. But then upon further understanding, I'm now getting older and realizing, no, that's not how it's supposed to be. You're not supposed to hurt women. I can, you're not supposed to touch anybody. You're not supposed to hurt anybody. Like, violence is so stupid. Like, why are we violent? Anyway, <laughs> um, that was a little bit of a mini rant. But, yeah, I just just understanding that and then coming to Canada and then meeting someone and then having the same thing happen, something similar happened to me, but then it's grooming, it's, it's rape, it's... <sighs> I don't know. I feel like at 24, I'm still understanding like kind of what happened, but it is not normal. I'm sorry. This is not normal for 20. How old was I in 2016 or was it 2017? It was, tw- it was 2016. That was five years ago. I was 19. It is not normal for me as a 19 year old who is in school, who is just in second or third year of university, who still lives in residence to be getting told Esther, you see my fridge is not fully not doing anything about it. To be treating me like like I'm a housewife, I'm 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 what's it called? I'm not supposed to like just treating me like 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 I, I'm supposed to be submissive to you. Obviously, I'm young and I, I've been in relationships, but they were all with people my age. So me getting into something with this person and seeing that he's older made me feel like, okay, maybe this is how it's supposed to be. And I didn't understand that until I, I, I got raped. And I I and then I started to understand a little bit more and realize, oh wait, wait, first of all, I was I was groomed. I was groomed for a long time. I was made to believe that everything I was doing was wrong. There are times where I would just start crying and he'll ask me what's wrong. And I'll just be like, I'm not like I'm not doing well. I'm not perfect. You don't like cause then he'll complain about everything. I remember one time I went to his house. I'm not gonna go into too much detail because I already have an episode out on this. It's called Survivor Stories, but um I remember I would go into his house. Um, I remember I was there for like 30 minutes one day. And then I think this is even my third time ever going to his house. This man had the audacity 
to send me a message and tell me that how can you come into my house and see that the sink is full and you don't do the dishes and let this stupid ass nigga if you're listening you can't say anything because i did show the message to my friends so not no like you can't even say i didn't you didn't this shit didn't happen because it happened and i remember that happening and me being like oh my god esther you didn't wash his dishes. Oh my God, Esther. Why would you not wash his dishes? Nigga, I did not eat in your house. Why should I wash your dishes? And that was my mind, my thought process. Then another time when he came into my house and he got mad about something. I had three roommates, by the way. We're like eight people in the house. Uncle grabbed the remote control, went home, didn't return the remote control for weeks because he was angry at something that is irrelevant then he didn't speak to me and he'd always do that thing then i felt like wow like oh my gosh what have i done to make him do this my roommates were mad at me but i was more mad at myself why did i what did i do to make him take my remote control home for three weeks and we couldn't watch tv (laughs) and saying this now it's funny to me now but back then i was like i remember begging my roommate please can you just call him and tell him that i'm sorry we need the remote back but like i know i did something wrong i didn't do anything wrong to deserve that no. And it's little things like this. And, and that's why I like, couldn't call it rape for like a year and a half. I didn't start calling it rape until I started my organization. And like it was, I used to just say my boyfriend actually assaulted me. That's what I would say. Or my, whatever he was. Um, and like, yeah, like even like when all that happened, I wasn't, I don't know, like, it was just difficult because I blamed myself for a lot of things and I started to think maybe because I'm not skinny enough or because I I'm only 19 and I'm not deserving of love from an older person or maybe if I had done so and so for him or if I had done this and that for him or if I had done so and so and so and bear in mind you Cass can you stop screaming thank you bear in mind I was a good girlfriend. I am a good girlfriend. Even people that don't like me would tell me, Esther, you are a good girlfriend. I did the best I could at 19 with no job, no income. Even he was like not even encouraging. I remember the my first job, um, he was at my house and I was like, I don't feel like going to work. Should I just quit? He's like, yeah, quit. Call and quit. Sir, you're 30. You're telling me to quit my job. Uh, you know, I don't have any money. You don't have any money too. <laughs> So just things like that, like you weren't the best for me. He wasn't the best for me. And um, I blame myself a lot for it. And it almost ruined my life. I was suicidal. I tried to kill myself a few times. Um, therapy wasn't helping. I remember the first person that I told that wasn't like my, one of my best friends was the therapist that my school recommended to me. I go into the office and I see a white man, probably in his late 60s or, I don't know, like white people, maybe, oh, my cat just hit her head. In his late 50s, early 60s, maybe. And I remember being like, what am I supposed to say to you? And I remember telling him, and he's, he asked me if I needed a doctor's note. <laughs> Sir? <laughs> what? Like, that's the first thing. And asked me, do you need a doctor's note? Nigga, No. I need you to talk to me. I need you to to make help me with this pain, help me process this pain. And that is one of the biggest issues in this in this Canada of a country. Why don't we have enough 
black women therapists, black people who understand trauma by black people being in these spaces. Why is it as a black person, I'm telling someone I'm going through trauma and you're referencing me to a white older man? Why? Why? But anyway, um, yeah, so it was really hard to process it, really hard to deal with it. And I, yeah, I like, I don't know, I self-harmed a bit. And it wasn't because like, I just didn't know how to get rid of the pain. I didn't know how to stop hurting, to stop feeling like, like crap. I did not know how to process anything. I was just in a state of just sadness and I felt so depressed, like so depressed. And then I started to tell family members, I couldn't tell my mom because I was afraid of what she would say. And when I told her, they kind of confirmed that a little bit and I couldn't, like it obviously like having Nigerian parents and telling them these kind of things, it's always gonna be what did you do? Why did it happen to you? You were a prostitute, what were you doing? And nobody wants to hear that, oh their kid got raped. Like no no one wants to hear their friend, your sister, their family. No one wants to hear that. So it is difficult for them as well. But just a side note to African parents, be more understanding to your kids. And I know that sometimes like this this is a quick, quick side note. If I am, if you're feeling, oh my gosh, so and so happened to my kid, this traumatic thing happened to them, emphasis on trauma. How do you think I feel? If you're feeling so hurt because someone has defiled your child and it has hurt your child and caused them so much pain and you're in pain, how do you expect me to feel about that? I feel like crap. I feel like my life is over. I felt like my life was over. So the last thing that I wanted was for anybody, friend, whoever, friend, I'm not going to get to those friends, but anyway, friend to tell me, mm, yeah, mm -mm. girl, what did you do? No, like, mm -mm. and even me, it's the shame on you for not cutting these people out from your life earlier. <laughs> but anyway, Anyway, and even, and I, I, I honestly like, just want to say that I do understand that in our society, it is very, um, people will be asking me, and I did get asked a lot, why did you go back to talking to this person? And I'm just putting that out there because I, I've never said this before. I did go back to talk to him. And I, because a part of me, obviously, like, I honestly didn't have real tools to heal. Let's just be real. And a part of me still thought it was my fault. So I went back to speak to him. I went back to talk to him. And when that had happened, I, um, I, you know, it was more clear that I shouldn't even associate myself with this person. I felt so much worse. And that happens a lot. And we need to normalize that as well. No, not even normalize it happening. Normalize it happens. It happens. Like you will go back to an ex. You will go back to whoever. Same when we go back to our exes. You will go back to somebody because you want to understand. Like for me personally, I want to understand. Like this person loves me. You've told me, Esther, I love you. You are my it. And so why, why did this happen? And then I still have love for the person. I've been also groomed, by the way. So my mindset, and it was two years with this person or one and a half years. So my mindset was, and this is my first, first real anything in Canada. My mindset was, mm -mm. 
I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back. Try to make it work. Maybe he's changed ETC, ETC. And thank the Lord that nothing happened again. Like nothing happened. But it was more psychological this time. Which like, and it's so, I don't know why I'm sharing. I think because it's, this is the month where we talk about these things is like why I'm sharing. But I haven't even told a lot of people, like my friends are going to probably going to be hearing about this for the first time if they listen to this episode. My family doesn't even know that I went back to him. I didn't even tell my family that I was dating him. I told my mom that it was a friend because I was still scared to tell her that I was dating. Parents, normalize making it easy to talk with your kids. Ask your kids if they have boyfriends from like 16 because we do, man. And we're not going to tell you if you keep trying to shy away from them because there's no, I keep doing this thing. There's no way that I'm getting told at 24. When is, where's your husband? When's your 22? It was, why are you, why are you dating somebody? How, sister, from where? But anyway, moving on. Um, Yeah, it was just not easy and it was just difficult, honestly. And I think having that, because I feel like I'm happy that I didn't speak to him again. Like I'm happy that when I spoke to him again, it wasn't a thing of um, good and vibes. It was more like, okay, it was awkward at first. Then you started psychologically abuse me. And then I realized, okay, this is like, and emotionally abused me too. I realized this is wrong. And like, just to be like, just a little bit of transparency. um, I remember asking my friend like, oh, like, what would you do if I started dating this person again? And they were all like, huh? Obviously, we didn't, you know, we didn't understand. No one, no one, under, like back then, even I didn't understand why am I talking to this guy? Obviously, now I do. But like, then asking him about it, he sold me this dream we're going to be together. I'm sorry, Esther, everything is going to be okay. And then to find out that you actually don't want to be with me and you're just kind of like emotionally abusing me and, and just trying to psychologically do things to me and everything. And that even making me feel like more crap because I just felt, I'm trying not to swear. So I said, I'm saying crap a lot. I don't like saying crap anyway, but um, even made me feel like, is it because now you've raped me? You think that I'm, I'm invaluable. Like I'm not special anymore. And like, I'm not worth you or worth your time. Obviously a man like that does not deserve anything. You don't even deserve joy. Go punish you where you are. But, like, I just felt like, am I not deserving of happiness? Like, am I not deserving of any, like, am I, now I'm, I'm, I'm garbage. How, somebody who has raped me thinks I'm garbage. How is every man going to think of me now? Am I ever going to date anyone again? Am I ever going to get married? Am I ever going to have kids? Okay, I could have kids, but, like, I want a husband. You know what I mean? So, like, it was just difficult, like, to just have this happen and then have it happen again and still feel so useless and just so like disgusted with myself. After that happened, I went into isolation for like a month and it was November, November 2018. No, yeah, 2018, November. I remember because I just got a job at Tim Hortons. November 2018, I didn't speak to anyone. I told all my friends, listen guys, I need a break from life, didn't speak to anyone, I didn't eat for like a week, <laughs> not that I was fasting, no. it's just when you're depressed, you don't get hungry, I lost like five pounds, I was so happy, but also sad, I didn't eat, I didn't talk to anybody, I was going to work every day, the person I spoke to was the customers at work, I was taking classes at another university, I didn't know anybody, so it made it easier, 
my friend will come knock on my door every day. I would answer him, knock on my door. I, I would just ignore everybody. I blocked everyone's numbers. I was just going through it. And yeah, like it was just hard. But some things that helped me heal, I low-key started to kind of fall back in love with God because for a long time, I had felt like, why would God allow this to happen to me? Why would someone who's supposed to be my father, my protector, allow this to happen to me? Why? And I didn't understand it. And I didn't, and I, I chose to just think that he doesn't care about me. So that like was one thing that was really hard for me. But then I, I went back to God because I don't think I fully understand why all of this happened until 2020. That was when I started to understand it. Because 2020, I started my organization and I would not have what I have today. I would not have impacted as many people that I have today. I would not have a platform of survivors that I that I can talk to, that I can reach out to and that understand me and I can understand them and I can have a space for Black people in Ottawa to talk about trauma and to be safe if not for this. If not for this, I'd be going to law school. Like, I'd be in law school right now. If not for my trauma, I wouldn't have, I would not have taken six years to finish. I would have finished school in four years. I would have finished school two years ago. I would have been finishing law school. My life would have been on track. But now because of what happened, I was in school for six years, finished with nice-ass grades that I'm not finished by finishing four years. I would not be in culinary school. I wouldn't have started PA. I'm still going to go to law school but I'm going to have two degrees in the back by the time I go to law school. I'm going to have a whole ass organization that hopefully is incorporated by the time I go to law school. I'm going to be a chef by the time I go to law school. Like, and that's just the first point. Everything happens for a reason. This happened for a reason. This was meant, this, it happened, it was unfortunate, but it happened for a reason. And every disappointment is a blessing. And that's all I'm going to say about that. It's just a blessing because every shit, I swore, Everything I've been through that has brought me pain has taught me so much about myself. Second thing, journaling. I'm going to, if you want to learn more about journaling from me, tune into my Instagram for my organization next week. But journaling helped me a lot. I started off, I didn't know how to journal. So I would just write poetry. I used to sing when I was a kid um, up until university. I think I stopped in university. And then... I used to write songs and everything. So I, I wasn't really good, but I was good at rhyming and just, I knew how to like word play, but not like into music. Or I'd, I'd, I'd never knew how to read notes properly. But so I started writing poetry and 2019, the entire year, I wrote poetry or 2018, 2019, I wrote poetry about life and just everything. Like I just was to write about like, I had so many chapters on how I was hurt now. I felt lonely and sad and depressed and all these things. Then those kind of transpired into journaling. And from then I started to journal and I would prompt myself, okay, how are you feeling today? We talk about that. It Especially on the days where I was feeling angry, I would ask myself, why are we angry? What made us angry today, honey? Like, what are we angry about? And talk about that. I felt uncomfortable today. Why am I feeling comfortable today? Narrate your, I narrate my whole day. Well, this morning I woke up, I was feeling good in the morning. I went to school 
on my way back from school, I was being stared at by a couple of people. That made me feel uncomfortable because I have low self-esteem and I don't like to be stared at. It makes me uncomfortable. I feel like people always stare at my breasts. And then I understood from there that like I just don't like to be stared at. Through generally, I actually under, like began to understand that I do have social anxiety because I would panic to go to places. I still panic when I'm going to places. I because and it has to do with my trauma because for a few months I couldn't leave my house. I couldn't look at men. So whenever I'm going to see a person or I'm going on a date, I panic not because I'm nervous, because I'm scared. And I always try to play it off. Like I I was with a guy a couple days ago and he had asked me, because I told him, I'm like, oh yeah, you're really, I think you're shy and everything. And he was like, um, oh, um, are you saying I'm shy because whatever, like, so kind of, I forget because I was tired, but like, because he wasn't forward or because he wasn't as, you know, like, because I'm used to men who are very forward, who like, I want to, whatever, all you know, guys are very frustrating. But I said no. <laughs> but it was, yeah, like, yeah, because me coming here, I was thinking, oh my gosh, big man, big energy. I'm afraid. If I say I don't want to do anything now, it might be a problem. Anything might happen. And that is my reality because I've gone through something and that is just how I see things now. But... I don't know. Journey helped me with all of that. It's I'm still a work in progress. I've noticed two changes. The past two people I have actually gone like gone on dates with or gone. I was nervous. I wasn't. I I felt comfortable in myself. I'm talking more. I'm usually really quiet with guys, but I'm talking a lot more now. Being myself, being more expressive, and journaling's helped me through that. One thing that I've noticed with journaling that I've done is just kind of. Even, even days where I don't know how to prompt. Prompting basically is things that you can like you can ask yourself or questions you can think about and write on. So a journal prompt could be why why do you feel like you can't look at men or you can't talk to men? And then talk about that and explore that. Do you feel afraid? Why do you feel afraid? How are you working to better your mental health and things like that? Um, it's it's journaling is is very long to talk about. I'm not going to focus on that. Maybe that's for another podcast episode. But then also another thing that I've <laughs> did and I stopped. My lovely friend had told me that I should um, try doing new things every day, something that I haven't done before to help with anxiety and things like that. And for me, that was. Um, maybe talking to to a, co- a colleague at work more, or I help someone on the streets this day, or I walked instead of taking the bus, or things like that. And I st- I just started doing that again actually this year, but I stopped for a few years after I started to feel better. Um, but it did make me feel good, and I didn't. I don't. I don't want to say that it helped me heal because I feel like even now with my organization being a year in, I still get triggered by a lot of things. There are some workshops that I host that I can't even fully focus because I'm still triggered, but I am learning. Our, like, society is so corrupt. You'll see victim blaming on the internet. It will make you feel bad. You'll see victim blaming in our families, in our friendships, and it will make you feel like crap. So, like, we need to kind of dismantle that, first of all. 
And we need to, we really, as a society, regardless of whatever country we are in, if it is a country where, where marginalized groups exist, especially in race, we need to make sure that we are providing affordable. There are so many free white therapists. Government pay for the ter- for the therapists, black therapists, so they can be free too. Why are we not paying white black people to help with public service to do things for free for people? I know the government is 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 now doing things for black youth led things, but like, I where where's where was the woman who I needed to speak to five years ago? Why was I directed to an older man? I call a therapist center usually once a week. And I've been asking for a black woman for a while. I haven't got one. I have this um, this Indian woman that I speak to, which is, she's cool. I like her a lot. But like, it don't hit like talking to a black woman like yourself. You know what I mean? It doesn't hit. But yeah, it's just, we just need to dismantle these things. We. I don't I honestly don't know how because I'm not like, you know, the premier of Ontario or Trudeau or nothing, but like we need to do better as a community for black people who are experiencing trauma, especially rape. We need to do better. Why must it be so expensive for me to get help? I what if and I was then I broke and sad depressed suicidal and I couldn't find anyone that understood me and (laughs) like and I did look up black therapists but I'm sorry I don't have a thousand dollars to spend an hour or even four hundred dollars to spend an hour when I know I need like 68 sessions I even stopped going to therapy because I'm like this is so useless for me like this white man doesn't know anything like why am I here but anyway um yeah but yeah more so we need to stop victim blaming. I've seen people victim blame. <laughs> in this big 2021, I had a, a, a nigga victim blame me. I had a nigga victim blame my mother. You don't even know her. He victim blamed her. Anyway, like things like that. And just to kind of close off, I really have been talking for 40 minutes. Girl. Just to kind of close off, man, like sexual assault awareness month. I think this year it's... It, it's it's very lukewarm. I needed to jazz up. I've been telling my my even my team we need to jazz up because ew, I don't like saying that jazz up. Anyway, we need to like get like heated because this month this awareness thing is so important. We think we think is is just is is just is just okay. This month let's be aware that sexual assault is a thing. No, teach talk about sexual violence. Talk about why am I getting heated? Talk about victim blaming. Talk about rape culture. Talk about all these things. Teach people. Talk about how we need more black therapists. We need more black trauma therapists in Canada, in North America, in Europe, in everywhere else. <laughs> everywhere else. Like we need, we need, we need more as, as a community. We need more. We need more spaces where black people can sit and talk about trauma and feel comfortable and feel and feel good about it. We need more of these. I need this month to wake up, like actually wake up because like my organization, we're doing well. This month we're doing a lot of things for survivors, but this even is, is giving me hype to have a meeting on Sunday. Like, 
because we have our meetings on Sunday. Guys, we need to talk more about these things. Victim blaming. Stop victim blaming your friends. Stop victim blaming your friends. I could be naked right now. If anybody rapes me, do not victim blame because I didn't ask you to rape me. I didn't ask for that. Like, <laughs> I don't know, man. We just need to do better. We need to do better. We really do. And I'm praying. I'm praying so hard for this society because we are so flawed. So advanced, but so flawed. And it's, it's breaking us. It's killing people. We need to do better. That's all I'm going to say. Thank you for tuning in session 22. This was supposed to be very, like, cute in therapy vibes. But I got angry because this is my truth and this is my life. And shit is frustrating. Thank you for tuning in to session 22. And I will talk to you soon.